studying on the subject called faith that overcomes, especially because of what people are going through and people are being, you know, are really oppressed by the spirit of fear. And so I've been dealing with this and I've been trying to teach you from different aspects of this uh, on the subject so that our faith can be bolstered and can be strengthened to be able to face this enemy and not just face him, but to overcome him. Remember, we are overcomers. Say, I'm an overcomer. Come on. I'm an overcomer because of Jesus Christ. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. Say it with me. I'm more than a conqueror and I'm an overcomer. Say amen. All right. Let's do, refresh your memory that we uh, our base scripture is 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. It says, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Are you born of God? Amen. If you're born again, you're born of God. And so the Bible concludes that if you're born of God, you, are, you, God, you overcome the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. How do we overcome the world? How do you overcome the devil? How do we overcome the onslaught of the enemy? By faith. Faith, I heard a preacher, a man of God say, faith is not something that you use like a spare tire. That means you know, you just put it there and only when the need arises, you try to think about it and try to use it. No, faith is how we live. The just shall live by faith. It's the way, it's our lifestyle. Faith is a lifestyle, not something that we use when a need arises. See, there are so many Christians that don't care about the Lord, that don't give any importance to the things of God. They don't have time for the word. They don't have time for church. They don't have time for the word. You know, they don't pray much. And uh, that's how they live their life. But then when suddenly something happens where they're not able to cope and nobody is able to help, that's when it seems like they find all the time in the world for the word, for the prayer, and for church. And then once the problem is solved or they overcome the situation, it seems like they have no more time again for God. That is not how we're supposed to live this life. We're supposed to live a life where we engage with the Holy Spirit God on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. He wants us to be aware of His presence in us if you're born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. God expects us to grow in our intimacy with Him, to know Him, and to involve Him in all the affairs of your life. Let me remind you, let me say something. You should never be involved in any affair in life where the Holy Spirit will not feel welcome or the Holy Spirit will not feel comfortable. Amen. That's how you guard yourself from falling into the temptation of the devil. So if you say, is it wrong to do that? Is it wrong to go there? Just say, will the Holy Spirit God in me feel comfortable? Will he be happy or will I be grieving him? That's the question you need to ask because what you have to care for is your intimacy and your relationship with God. This is not a religion. This is relationship. So you don't want to hurt the most, uh, most important person in your life. The most important person in your life is God who lives inside you if you're born again and the Holy Spirit who lives inside you, all right? So you want to make sure that is not that relationship, that intimacy is not disrupted by any of your actions, thoughts, or words, or deeds. So we got to be careful how to maintain that. So what am I saying? You overcome by faith and faith is the lifestyle. 
Hallelujah. Now, you know, with all the things that are happening around the world, how people are really under pressure because of the pandemic, and, you know, and uh, there, there are no answers. Doctors are not able to really help. I mean, they're doing their best, but not everybody is being healed or not everybody is going home safe and sound. You know that. And so, therefore, there is a, you know, the situation is very grim and hopeless, and, uh, and people are feeling so depressed and discouraged. And uh, I just heard my son sharing with me that he was talking to someone back home and they said, they're so scared that they're not even stepping out of the house. I mean, that's the kind of fear that people are living in. But I want to remind you that you are a child of God and you're not hopeless. We're not supposed to be hopeless because our hope is in Christ. Amen. God is for you and not against you. Our hope is in the Lord. Our hope and our trust is in him and his word. The only way you can overcome this situation, the only way you can guard yourself, the only way you can protect yourself and live in divine health is by faith in God and his word. And this is what we've been dealing with. So I've covered much area in this. And last week we were dealing on the subject of the heart. And we said the heart is very important because let me uh, read a few of those scriptures again so that you know, you see the importance of it and you're reminded. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Why am I dealing with the heart? Because faith is not of the mind, it's of the heart, it's of the spirit. And last week I also shared with you and showed you that the heart that we're talking about is actually called the inward man, the hidden man of the heart, okay? It's the spirit man. So we need to understand this and we need to grasp this. Guard your inner man, guard your spirit, guard your heart above all else. The most, that is the one thing you need to really care for and make sure it's guarded, okay? It needs to be protected, protect your heart. For why? Because it determines the course of your life. Because you live life out of your heart. Do you get that? You live life out of your heart. You think you're living your life out of your mind. No, you're not. You're living out of your heart. It's your heart that determines. Glory be to God. Okay. Now, in the NIV says, everything you do flows from it. Everything, not some of the things. Everything in life that you do flow from it. Now, number, number three, in the Amplified Version, it says, for out of it flow the springs of life. Out of where? Out of the heart flow the springs of life. So now let's back up a little bit and read verse 20 in the same chapter, chapter 4. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Are you listening? He said, attend, pay attention. Not a casual attention, but pay attention. Not being casual in the way you listen, but you're keenly listening. Pay attention means keenly listen to what I have to say. Incline your ears unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them where? In the midst of thy heart. Keep my words in the midst of thine heart. Why? When if the heart is planted with the word, life is going to flow out of it. Praise be to God. So God's word is God's seed. We know those, uh, the parable of the sower, of this, uh, the sower, he went about sowing seed. And it talks about the heart, the, the, the ground talks about the heart, the seed 
talks about the word. So he says, pay attention, um, attend to my words, incline your ear unto my saying, carefully listen to what I have to say, and let them not depart from your eyes. That means focus. Not only with your natural eyes, when you close your eyes, with your inner eyes, you're seeing that, okay? And keep them in the midst of thine heart. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For why? Their life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Where, it is, where is life coming from? From the heart. For they are life. What? The words that are planted in the heart produce life. The words that are planted in the heart produce health, healing, medicine. One of the translations says medicine, or the margin says medicine. Now, I'm reading from the NIV for, for more clarification. He says, my son, pay attention to what I have to say. To uh, Pay attention to what I say. F turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. Glory be to God. So our job, my friend, listen, if you are serious about winning in life, if you're serious about overcoming temptation, if you're serious about fulfilling the purposes of God in life, you're serious about winning in life, then you cannot neglect this instruction from the Lord. You have to take the word, which is the seed, and you have to plant it in your heart. Glory be to God. And we're going to look at that. But you know all this, but I have to remind you. I mean, and I'm trying to clarify this so that you understand that when you read your Bible, you're not reading it like you're reading a novel. I mean, there are times when you can read it to, to, as a, a, you know, as something you read to know more. But there should be some times where you're just purposefully taking the word and planting it into your heart. Okay. Keep them within your heart for their life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. It produces life, it produces health. Glory be to God. It produces life, it produces health. Okay. The word produces health. So when you're sick in the, you know, and you're lying on flat on, the back, on, on your back in, the, in bed, and you're wondering what's going to happen, don't let that dominate your heart and your thoughts and your mind. But, you know, take the word, the word of health. The word of healing, the word which is God's promise. He said, by his stripes you were healed. He was wounded for our transgressions. By his stripes we were healed. Take that scripture. He took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Glory be to God. And plant that in your heart. Keep them in the midst of thine uh, in the, you know, keep them in the, keep them before your eyes and uh, plant them in your heart because out of it will flow life and healing. Praise be to God. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you're sick right now, don't think about so many other things. Don't lie there and say, Lord, when will you heal me? Will he, will you ever heal me? Will I lie? Will I live? Will I die? No, don't, don't entertain those thoughts, but focus on the promise of God. Hallelujah. His word never fails. His word is, for, is sure forever. Glory be to God. He has magnified his word above his name. That's what the Bible says. So remember his word never fails. So take that word and say, Lord, I thank you for I am the healed of the Lord. And you have to start planting it. How do you plant it? By speaking. You speak the word 
over and over and over and over and over again and plant it in your heart. And while you're doing this, your mind will go crazy and say, are you a fool? What are you trying to do? Does this make any sense? Why are you wasting your time? Don't let the enemy, don't entertain those thoughts that arise from the uh, from a heart of doubt or from the enemy. But say, shut up, devil. I shut you down in Jesus' name and start saying the word. I was healed by his stripes. I was healed by his stripes. And you're not just repeating that as a parrot, but you're repeating it. And you know the repetition is a process through which you're planting the seed in your heart. Say amen. Hallelujah. All right. Now, in other words, this is nothing but meditation. See, this is why when God spoke to Joshua, he said, Joshua, this is how you develop your faith. You may not have enough faith to face your challenges. You may believe that God is a healer, but you may not have enough faith to believe that he will heal you. So what do I do? I have to develop my faith. See, there were, there were giants in the land. The cities were walled. But God said to Joshua, he never said, he said, you have to take over these nations, you have to conquer them, and you have to divide them as inheritance among the tribes. But then he said, wait, meditate on that word day and night. He never said, go to battle right away. He said, meditate on that word. Why? Because he, 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 he rec you receive the promise first in your mind. When you hear a preacher preach, you may receive it. Or when you're reading the word, you may receive it, but you may not have enough strength to take the step of faith to, to actually wage the battle or wage the war or go against it. So now you need, you need to take the time to plant that. That's why he says this. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Meditate day, day and night. Well, the, what we read in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 to 22, is nothing but the process of meditation. He said, pay attention, let it not depart from your eyes, and plant it in your heart. This is how you meditate. So this is meditation. You meditate there in day and night. That means don't give scope to the enemy to come in and plant tares among the wheat. You're planted seed that produce wheat. But if you neglect, the enemy can come in when you're a little slack and try to plant seeds that will produce weeds. You see what I'm getting at? So we got to be careful. That's why I said, guard your heart. Don't give any scope for the enemy to come in to plant any kind of negative seeds that will produce weeds and tears that may look like wheat. See, people generally um, talk about uh, having wisdom and common sense. And many times common sense is not biblical sense. We have to go by the biblical sense, which means we believe in God's word despite what is happening and despite what people say. Amen? All right. He says, meditate therein day and night that thou mayst observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. God never said, I will make it prosperous. He said, you will make your way prosperous. How? Because the issues of life flow out of the heart. Your heart has been impacted. Your heart has now received the word and the word is now germinating and growing in you. And now that's coming forth and it produces what? The word produces prosperity. 
Glory be to God. The word produces victory. Hallelujah. The word gives you wisdom. The word gives you direction. Because it says, you, the word, it, 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 hallelujah, I forget what I read, but I want to get back there. Listen, it says, it, 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 everything flows from the heart. It, it is out of the flow, out of it flow the springs of life. It determines the course of life. So when I receive the word, the word is designed to produce prosperity, but the word cannot produce prosperity in my life until I plant it. The word is produced to give me victory. The word is, the word is designed, not produced, but designed to produce health healing. So I need to receive the word and the word will work in me and work through me bringing about this result. Say amen. Hallelujah. So for thou shall make thy way prosperous and thou shall have what? Good success. But what do I need to do? I shall meditate on the word. Now the book, the law, what, when he says meditate this book, uh, thou shall not, the book of law. What does the law contain? The law co contains the commandments, precepts, statutes, and testimonies. You know, let me, let me show you something. We'll come back here. Go with me to Psalm 119, please. Psalm 119. And 111, triple one. For your testimonies I've taken as a heritage forever. Your testimonies... I have taken as a heritage forever. You know what that means? Your testimonies, Lord, are my inheritance. The testimonies of God are my inheritance. That means everything that God has done in the past is my inheritance. If God has split the rock and brought forth water, if I can receive that as a testimony, it's my inheritance. That means I can expect similar miracles in my own life. That's why it's been recorded. Testimonies have been recorded. The blind have been healed. The dead have been raised. People have been saved. People have been provided for in the desert where there's nothing. That's the God we worship. Those testimonies. He says, meditate on those testimonies, on those statutes, on the law. The book of the law contains all these things. So as I meditate what happened, as I fill my heart with this truth, my heart begins to rise in faith. Faith begins to rise in my heart. And I say, yes, God, I know if you've done it for them, you will do it for me because you are no respecter of persons. And what, and Lord, you, you, but you're a respecter of faith. So if I can have enough faith, I can receive it to him that believeth. All things are possible. So if I don't read what the Bible says, that's why it's important for you to read the Bible, to study the Bible, to meditate on those aspects and spend time in that and delve into it and say, I'm not just like anybody else out there in the world. I'm a son of God. Yeah, a thousand may have fallen, 10,000 in my right hand, but it shall not come nigh me. I meditate on that. Hallelujah. Not with the spirit of arrogance, not with an attitude of arrogance that I'm somebody great. No, I, I, I am not great in my own strength, but I'm a child of God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And he said, this is my inheritance. The promises of God are my inheritance. They're my mind. God has given them to me. That's why I need to pray. Open the eyes of my understanding that I may know what is my inheritance in the saints. Glory be to God. We need to have a revelation of this inheritance. This is ours. We need to receive that and we need to stand on that word. Hallelujah to Jesus. Let me tell you, my friend, in our church, 
in our, in our assembly, we have seen all kinds of miracles. People healed of cancer, instantly healed. People healed of fourth stage cancer. People who are barren for many years, bringing forth not one child, but more than one. People being healed of arthritis. People being healed of all kinds of sicknesses, even COVID. Praise be to God. Why am I sharing this? I'm telling you this. What God has begun to do, he never stops. If it stops, it's only because we have stopped believing in him. It's not because he's lacking in power. It's not because he cannot do anymore. It's because we are not connecting with him and we're not believing in the testimonies. If I can hold on to those testimonies, Lord, you've done it before, you will do it again. So I'm declaring that from today, we will see even more miracles in our church. Hallelujah. I'm saying whatever we have seen before will double and triple from this day forward. People will be healed even as they're listening to me preach. Even as, even as Pastor Merlin is preaching, people will be healed. Even as we worship God, you will be healed because we've had those testimonies. Testimonies are what we need to admit. It. Lord, you have done it before. You will do it again. Plant that word in your heart and let that word grow and bring forth fruit that will bear much fruit in your lives and bring glory to God. Say amen. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Testimonies of God are our inheritance. Hallelujah to Jesus. It's my inheritance. God, you provide it. You provide it. You know, um, this is out of my notes, but I want to say this. Let's go to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8 and verse 14. Okay, hang on. Okay. But the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. There were only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. At this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, Why are you arguing about having no bread? Do you not understand even yet? Are, you, are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterwards? Twelve, they said. When I fed 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand yet? He asked them. <clears throat> so look at what he's saying. Here, the disciples were in the boat. They were going with Jesus. And uh, they had only one loaf of bread. So when Jesus said, beware of the yeast of uh, Herod and the yeast of the Pharisees, they thought they were being, um, you know, that Jesus was upset that they did not have enough bread. But this is what he says. Why are you arguing about having no bread? What are you talking about? He says, hey, guys. Why do you always start thinking of lack first? You started, the moment I spoke to you, the first thing you thought of is, we don't have enough. 
Many of us are forfeiting our blessing, are not able to reach our potential, are not able to receive the blessing of God because we start with the notion and we start with the mindset of we don't have enough. So Jesus is saying this, don't you know and understand even yet? Don't you know? Don't you understand? Okay. Are your hearts too hard to take, to be, to take it in? Are you hard hearted? See, if you go and read this in the King James, it says, why reason ye? Because you have no bread. Perceive ye not yet, neither understand. Have your, have your heart, have ye your heart yet hardened? Is your heart hardened that you don't understand? Why are you talking about lack of bread? I'm talking about the yeast of the Pharisee and the yeast of Herod. That means the, the, he's talking about the political system and the religious system. Herod represents the, relig uh, the political system and Pharisees represent the religious system. The, the political system does not want to do anything with God and they want to deny God. The religious system says they, they express and say everything about God, but in it lacks the power of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he's saying, don't you understand this? He said, beware of this. Having eyes you see not, having ears you hear not, and you do not, don't, and don't, don't you not, do you not remember? He says, okay, you did not perceive, you did not hear, you did not see, but don't you at least remember? He says, hey, you're talking about lack. Let me remind you something Jesus is saying. Five, when there were 5,000 people and we had to feed them with five loaves and two fish, how many did we feed? 5,000. How many left over? 12 baskets. Okay, when there were 7,000, four, four loaves of bread, or I'm sorry. Um, yeah, when there were seven um, uh, among 4,000, now how many baskets full of fragments took he up? And they said seven. He said to them, how is it that you don't understand? Don't you understand? He's saying, hey, remember that. What is that? A testimony. Remember what? The testimony. Don't you remember the testimony that with five loaves, I've had 5,000? With four loaves, I've fed 7,000? Don't you remember that? He's saying, your, heart, your hearts have been hardened. That's why you don't even remember. Every time you face a problem, you're in, you've, you've forgotten all that God has done in the past. And you're wondering whether God will ever do this again for you. He, say, he says, this is because of the hardness of your heart. And see, that's, why I'm, that's, that's what I'm trying to teach you this morning. Don't let your heart be hardened. Meditate on the testimonies. I'm sure every one of you has experienced God's power in some region, some area in your life, in your family life, in your financial life, in your, in your health issues. You have experienced God. Don't forget them. They are your inheritance. And so that means God, you fed the 5,000. God, you fed the 4,000. Today, I have only one loaf. But I know the God that multiplied that day will multiply again for me. Hallelujah to Jesus. That's my faith. And when you exercise faith like that, you will definitely see God do a miracle again in your life. Say amen. Hallelujah to Jesus. He says, at least remember, your hardened hearts are making you to forget everything that God has done. Don't be hard-hearted. All right, let's go back to the lesson. Okay, so meditate on these uh, commandments, precepts, statutes, and testimonies. Now, when you meditate, <clears throat> meditation 
is talking aloud to yourself, thinking about it, just speaking aloud and thinking, walking around, just musing over it. But that means your mind, your imagination, your thoughts are all intermingled on that aspect and you're working on it. It's like a painter trying to paint a picture on a canvas and he's so involved in it and he's using the paints as he's seeing them. It's all being mixed together and only he knows how it's going to come out as he begins to use the brush on the canvas. Now, as you take the word and you begin to muse over it, you begin to speak aloud. That means your inner man, your imagination, your mind, all have to be actively engaged in this process. Amen. So when you begin to do that, something will begin to be, begin to be formed inside you. Now, meditation impacts your heart and your soul. It impacts your spirit. It impacts your emotions and your behavior. Hallelujah. It impacts your behavior. You're not trying to put up a show. You're not trying to fake it anymore. You believe it. So when you speak, you're not saying, I was healed by strength. No, you speak with confidence because this confidence is not manufactured. It's being birthed out of your heart because in the heart, the word has been planted and that word is producing life. It's producing the strength, the confidence. So you speak out and say, yes, I know. With all the symptoms in my body still, I know I was healed by his stripes. Hallelujah to Jesus. All right. If it doesn't, if it does not change or impact your emotions and behavior, it is not real meditation. Okay. It creates, what it does it is it creates a new picture on the inside that aligns with what you meditate. You got to see yourself as the one that you're beginning to meditate upon. Hallelujah. The negative form of meditation is worry. Nobody need teach you to worry. But what is worry? Worry is meditation. You're meditating on the wrong stuff. And that's causing fear, okay? If you keep on meditating and on, on um, um, you know, COVID shield, COVID, COVID, all this kind of stuff, automatically you will begin to worry. Whether, you know, should I take the vaccine? Should I not take the vaccine? Well, I know people have died. People have survived. People have had side effects. I don't know what's going to happen to me. You keep thinking like that, you'll begin to worry. Because you're allowing all kinds of negative thought patterns to capture imagination. And that is building an image inside you. And you can become a victim to it. You know, there are some very good reports of people who have taken the vaccination. And there are also very bad reports. Many times, because it, there is an agenda of trying to push this vaccine, they're not reporting. We're told they're not reporting the number of deaths. And I'm not going to try to scare you, on, nor am I trying to stop you from taking the vaccination, okay? But I'm just telling you some of the facts that I know. I'm saying it's up to you. Whatever you do, do it in faith. Because even if you drink a deadly thing, it shall not hurt you. So even if the vaccine is deadly, it's not going to hurt you. If your faith is, yes, I need to take a vaccine, don't, don't try to, um, you know, um, um, uh, blame yourself, saying, I don't have enough faith. Well, you have the faith to take a vaccine. Go ahead. It's up to you. Praise God. So if somebody takes a vaccine, don't look down upon them and say they don't have enough faith. They have the faith to take a vaccine. And there are others who don't take a vaccine. That doesn't mean they're great faith heroes. No, it may be. It's their faith. Whatever your faith is, you have to work on that. 
You can't, you can't walk and live by somebody else's faith. You're going to walk by your faith. But the thing I'm trying to say is don't let fear come in and start causing you to worry. Worry is a form of negative meditation, okay? It leads you to believe that what you're, that what you're worrying about will come to pass. It causes loss of appetite. What does worry do? It causes loss of appetite, loss of sleep. It causes, causes discouragement and even depression in some cases. It affects your emotions, feelings, and your behavior. Worry leads to stress. And you know, and I know, stress affects your entire being, soul, and body, and it is the biggest killer. So, so you see how it can, so you can see how meditation can affect your life and the course of your life uh, as you meditate on the word of God. The word of God is the seed. And if that can be planted in your heart, praise be to God, it will bring forth tremendous fruit, causing you to live victoriously, joyfully in the Lord, being blessed to be a blessing. You don't have to live a hopeless life. You don't have to live in any kind of hopelessness. Don't be discouraged, my friend. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come nigh you. Hallelujah to Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. You have the word. You have the Holy Spirit God inside you. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Give him all the glory and let him work in you through his word so that by faith you can live in victory. That is your portion. Amen. That is how you and I are supposed to live. If you agree, say amen again.